What's good, everyone? This is the Puerto Rican Pirates Make for Hire, the podcast mercenary, the Puerto Rican Kaiju, Christian Joel Ramos, back at it again with a brand new review. And today we're going to review none other than the most anticipated wrestling show of the year, WrestleMania 37. And right now we're going to review night one. So we start off with a rain delay. Exactly. A full year into the pandemic with all the nonsense, with the empty arena show, with the Thunderdome shows, we finally get live people at a wrestling show and full capacity mind you well full capacity with cardboard cutouts in between people's sections because obviously you gotta have that covid protocol and all that stuff still happening we're not exactly out of the woods just yet so here we got this finally the 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 fans have been asking and clamoring for this the wrestlers have been missing the fan base like it's really an emotional point that everyone's at like the first match you're gonna see no matter how good or bad it's gonna be you're gonna get the loudest pops from everyone and this is because it's been more than a year that we're able to see live wrestling in public like this and this magnitude especially such a huge event like wrestlemania or as michael cole referred to it as wrestlerania but um terrible i know samoa joe's like yeah i'm not gonna co-sign that but okay so <laughs> it starts with a rain delay 20 minutes half an hour of just uh backstage impromptu backstage promos on the fly everyone's just freestyling a promo of their match and some of them are doing amazing like drew mcintyre was there riffing against bobby lashley and facing him you got a good uh kevin owens promo against sammy then you have one with the New Day and against AJ and almost like everyone's just going off the top of the dome, just trying to stall for time until they are allowed to legally uh, start letting people back into the uh, Jamin's Rain Stadium because there's a thunderstorm happening. And if you know anything about Tampa Bay, Florida, you have to wait for the thunderstorm to go through because they are the lightning capital of America. And the last thing you want to do is be caught in a lightning storm. So, yes, uh, for everyone's safety and precautions, we're going to take it easy. So we, we finally get started, and the first match of the night is none other than the WWE title. So it's the current WWE champion, the almighty Bobby Lashley versus the um, Scottish Psychopath. I don't even know what his nickname is. Drew McIntyre, the former champion. And uh, it is one of the craziest matches because they both went 100 miles an hour, and I love every second of it. Let's get started with the fact that uh, Drew and Bobby were just giving you giving their all that's the thing they were not holding back drew bob even brought back one of the uh tope kong hero that he's done a many a times prior to becoming the WWE champion but somehow in the last year or so he calmed down on the athletics and but now it's like whoa he looks even bigger now than he did even a couple a year ago so for this guy to pull this stunt off and make it look easy hey there's a reason this guy was a champion to begin with and of course you can't take the credit off of Bobby Lashley who's 10 years plus into this journey to get his first ever run and I'm like listen I know they want to give Drew the big pop because he didn't get it last year because there was no WrestleMania I mean there was but let's be serious it was at an empty arena at the performance center it was not an actual event with people even if you pretty it up like a Thunderdome which it wasn't it was very basic it was the saddest mania I've ever seen I'm like why did they do this why couldn't they just hold this off an extra month or so until they really figured things out but we were so knee deep in the pandemic they really had to just do it on the fly and continue their schedule because the show must go on just like a Broadway play just must go on so here we are Lashley and Drew going back to back I mean he got three Future Shock DDTs onto Lashley to keep his big lug nut head down, and he still wouldn't stay down. And then Bobby got a couple of moves on him, too. I mean, they even got Kimura locks on each other, kept kept this grounded. Um, it wasn't as much high-flying as I thought it was going to be compared to uh, previous matches because not that Bobby's known as a high-flyer, but Drew has definitely been a high-flyer for many years. He's just recently got that muscle tone to be this big, big dog that he you know, finally is. So... I had the momentum going where they're going to be back and forthing it a lot. And it kind of worked, but it wasn't your typical. Uh, it was great. I'm not saying it was a bad match. A lot of technical wrestling, a lot of chain wrestling, a lot of uh, psychological stuff with Paul Heyman. Um, and then Paul Heyman actually distracted Drew as he was counting down for his Claymore kick. Enough time for Lashley to counteract on him and put on the Hurt Lock and not really tap him out, but have him pass out. Like he went lights out cold. So... He was not, you know, incapacitated, so he couldn't put his hand up to say he was still good. And so Bobby Lashley, the almighty Bobby Lashley, retains his WWE World Heavyweight Championship at WrestleMania. And like, thank God, 
I mean, I know some people are split on this, but let's be honest. If he just got the championship, I do not want to see the championship, the main championship, being hot potatoed like anybody can have it every other week. This is not how you book right. And if anything, he should have won it at Mania, not won it earlier off of Miz, but he should have either beat somebody else for it a while ago. I say they should have given him a three month plus reign prior to this to really build it up but the fact he's only had it for a month i knew the belt wasn't going to switch that fast i just knew that you couldn't do it it, it you it's too soon you, it kind of diminishes this whole long journey like he got emotional on tv for it, he controlled himself and obviously couldn't show all his emotions he's a heel character he's not a face so we're here looking at this heel champion i'm like yep this is the right decision the right call and i'm glad they stuck with their guns and really just let it play out so from here we move on to the next match was the women's tag turmoil with a, it's like a tag gauntlet match. First round we have Lana and Naomi, the team of Lana and Naomi versus the team of Billy Kay and Carmella. See, Billy Kay's whole gimmick was she's been trying to recruit a partner all year long, and everyone has turned uh, turned her back on her because she's like, yeah, we're not really like trying to look for you and our team. So at the last minute. Mella accepted her um, offer and took her resume and they became an impromptu tag team. But it was a year-long story-building thing, so it didn't seem to out of nowhere. It actually made sense story-wise. So those two teams fight, but at the end, Billy Kay and Carmella win the first round. So they move on and they fight next to the Riot Squad, a team of uh, Ruby Riot and Liv Morgan, who are in matching Joker and Harley gear, or inspired gear. And they go in the ring, and mind you, this whole thing is going on post a thunderstorm the floor is crazy wet okay let me just clarify they don't have carpets or towels on the on the tarmac or whatever you want to call it the stage it is slippery as sin like it is like ice cold slippery because they just had a thunderstorm so i'm already scared for the performers in the ring like did they even wipe off the ring ropes fast enough i hope no one's trying to do any damn crazy stunts right now because this could be an accident when it happened i do not want to see that night one of wrestlemania and end the whole show because it practically got, practically got canceled almost because of the thunderstorm if it persisted and went onward with it so Move on, Ruby Riot and Liv Morgan beat Billy Kay and Carmella, and they face the team of Tamina and Natalia. And you're like, all right, so Natalia and Tamina, these guys are definitely going to job to the younger talent. No, you thought wrong, because they actually were able to defeat uh, the Riot Squad with Tamina landing a splash on top of the third rope, and Natalia and Tamina are heading off to night two of WrestleMania to fight in, against the current WWE Women's Tag Champs consisting of Nia Jax and Shayna Baszler at night two at Mania. So from here we go on to the next match, which was Seth Rollins, which I don't know what damn nickname he has. Is he the architect? Is He's no longer the Messiah because they changed his theme once again. It's like a mix of the Messiah theme with the Burn It Down theme, but it actually sounds very badass. I actually dig it. It's a good sound for him. And the drip. Let's talk about the drip. Rollins obviously can't wear a suit right now because he's going to go in the ring. So he's wearing his classic uh, Messiah leather jacket that he gets off Amazon, <laughs> the red one. And he's wearing that with some matching, you know, uh, red and black gear, some usual Rollins colors. And he goes in to face none other than Cesaro, the Swiss cyborg, Swiss Superman, the Swiss cyborg. Well, actually, he is a Swiss cyborg and a Swiss Superman. He forget that. So it's a great matchup with Cesaro in Rollins. I knew this was going to be a good match going into it. The build for it, though, this was the worst build for any WrestleMania event I've ever seen in my life. Let me talk about how it sounded like two kids arguing. The whole premise of the story was Rollins didn't want to get swung around by the Cesaro swing by Cesaro, and that was it. He was annoyed that he was getting constantly manhandled by Cesaro and swung around like it's some sort of ragdoll. That's the worst build for a match, but I put that aside because I know these two are going to deliver. They're going to finally give Cesaro that single single uh, wrestler's push that he des rightfully deserves, all right? Claudio Casanoli is the most underrated WWE superstar, hands down. The man can deliver. He can speak fluently in six languages. So you know language isn't a barrier. He might have a slight accent, but the man can speak six languages, all right? You can't take that away from him. And right now he's working on his seventh language, which he hasn't disclosed which language it is. I'm assuming Spanish. It's either gonna be Spanish or probably something like Japanese because this guy's definitely trying to hit a different market. I'm assuming Spanish because he lives in the States and that's the one language that I don't think it's on his record of languages that he knows that really could help him in here. So Cesaro is a very um, 
he absorbs information. He is a world-class athlete, powerlifter, whatever you want to call it. This man can pretty much swing almost anybody. And I mean almost anybody. So him against the chosen one, except Rollins. What did I expect from this? A lot of amazing moves back and forth. Dirt, because these guys are who they are. They are one of the best, um, both one of the top five singles wrestlers in the company of WWE. Okay, not about not just NXT, not Raw or SmackDown, the whole company as a whole. They are some of the best talent. And whatever I think of Rollins personally, which I have my issues with him because I don't want to say beef because he, he doesn't know me. Who the, hell, who the hell am I? My thing with him is his Twitter game kind of threw everyone for a loop because he is not wasn't playing heel on Twitter, but because he got so much heat for his comments against Osprey and the way he's delivering his lines, he came off so damn pretentious that people are like, oh, this Rollins dude is just a giant prick. But he's not a giant prick. It's just the fact that he was playing heel on Twitter and people took it like he was really being a jerkwad. And this kind of just translated like, hey, you know what? When he's on Twitter, he's working us people. He's not being 100% genuine. He is working even on Twitter. And then now you have it where Twitter has become the place where a lot of wrestlers work their magic. And I have some great things to say about Rollins over the years. He's definitely done some great things in wrestling. He's brought some great talent for wrestling. He has a great eye for it. He has, definitely has a lot of things that can be used to um, show the next generation of superstars what the, the ropes, everything. He has a wrestling school, the Black and Brave, one of the best wrestling schools in the damn country right now because People like Ben Carter, who's now in NXT UK, came from that school. And if any of his superstars are as good as that guy, then I know for a fact they're doing the right things there. So I'm not going to take that away from him. What I'm going to take away from him, though, is how sometimes he comes off like a whiny kid. And that's just the thing that some people are just emotional and they take things a little bit to the heart. But listen, this guy, he's a company man, and I can't hold that against him. He loves his company, he loves his job. Let the man be. Because end of the day, if you love your job that much because... They pay you well. They treat you well. Of course, you're gonna be a company man. You know, like how can you like disrespect the company that's done a lot for you? Now, as far as other performers out there, that's a whole different story. And I'm not here to gossip nonsense. I'm here to talk reviews. So let's go back to this thing. Move on with the next match, where we have. Uh, oh wait, I should have said something amazing about the Cesaro Rollins match. This was definitely a five star category. This was definitely a standout match of the whole weekend of WrestleMania, and I think it was so phenomenally well-established that Cesaro, as he was trying to get the swing on Rollins, and he kept holding it against him. I mean, Rollins did a, Rollins did a crazy ass, like, Phoenix Splash 450. Like, he makes a Phoenix and a 450. I don't even know how he did that in midair, and landed it on Cesaro, like, bullseye. And, like, this is the most impressive, like, technical match I've seen in a long... Well, not even this technical spectacle you know it was definitely a mania level match and when it comes to mania level matches both of these guys never fails to deliver and that's why they deserve all the respect in the world whether you like them or not i know twitter has their own opinions on everyone based on who they think they are instead of actually who they are but based on who you think you are you can't take away the skills these guys have in the ring so love them or hate them rollins definitely made brought cesaro to the top level and brought the best out of him so there's that i'm gonna leave it at that next match is the new day consisting of hogan king's thing and xavier woods versus the phenomenal one aj styles and his impromptu tag partner who has been his bodyguard for the last six months almost what a match do i have a lot to say about it nah i don't i don't i mean it was all right in the end i mean almost as a tank he did not sell a damn move he's seven Feet plus I believe this guy is a legit monster he looks like a monster he, he wrestled like a monster well he didn't even wrestle he was just there being a big wall he is a big ass human wall who did nothing at all but help AJ land some offense on the new day and the new day was just like chumps in this match like they just won the belts off of the hurt business and like not too long ago, and they lost the belts again, hot potatoing. But in this case, they were just trying to give AJ his last belt to complete to be Grand Slam champion because he rightfully deserves to be with the company five plus years and doing well. Uh, it's been you think they would have done this with the, with the damn uh, the club or with anybody, even Balor, someone that made more sense, somebody 
related in the in the sense that like has history with AJ. This almost dude, you just put him out of pull him out of Raw Underground, who has like minimal to no wrestling experience. Vince just hired him on the fact that he's a former athlete who played in the NBA, I think it was, or college ball, and happens to be tall. That's it. He's a really tall black dude. Like, there's nothing to say more about this man yet. We haven't seen him wrestling in the ring. And this is his first match, and he just no-sold moves like a giant, like a titan. That's, he, he was just there to be the foil for the match, and AJ was doing all the work. And I get that. This guy barely has been training that much and had to go into big man training with the likes of Keith Lee and uh, Otis and all the other big men on Raw, and I think Adabakato as well. And... No number of other men who are huge that need to learn how to wrestle against smaller opponents. But this match, I mean, almost just looked like an obstacle. Kofi, poor Kofi got wrecked. I mean, him and Xavier Woods both, but Xavier Woods was more comical because whatever he was striking, they just he, they almost didn't feel a damn thing. But I definitely felt bad for Kofi who took the illest slams, like the big old, like, in, 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 not in Siguri, uh, the big old, like, choke slam type moves. And like his back must be killing him to this day, to this day. But yeah, it was it was alright. It was a coronation for AJ. Like congratulations, you've done your part for us. Now you're officially the Grand Slam champion. Now you can retire with all the merits and titles under your belt. Here's your here's your Snickers. You know, <laughs> like also WrestleMania 37 sponsor Snickers. <laughs> all right, I'm stop. So the next match of the night we have the. Um, Braun Strowman versus Shane McMahon. What a match that was. Uh, it was such a bathroom break. Like, this whole build was terrible. I mean, the, the promos on Raw were very childish. This was definitely one of the worst matches of the night. I mean, there were some cool spots. It was a cage match, right? You have Braun Strowman, who was being called stupid all year by... Uh, all year. Uh, for the past few months by Shane. Randomly just be called stupid of... The fact that Shane doesn't like him for some reason out of nowhere. This is definitely the punishment match. Like, this guy's going through being, like, punished really much in this company for whatever heat he has backstage. I know he has heat backstage, but I'm not one of these dirty reporters. I'm just guy reviewing things. And I think this is how they took it out on him. Like, as punishment for having so much backstage heat, you're going to go against Shane and look like a dope. Like, a complete dweeb the whole time. So, him against Shane... With the help of Elias and um, Jackson Riker in the outside of the cage as they try to attack uh, Braun Strowman right before he gets in the cage. So he's already in there injured because, of course, Shane wasn't going to play fair. He's going to use his brains because it's brains against Braun. But this match is so bad. I, it was not memorable. It was a bathroom break. It was just something like, all right, that's it. This guy was the WWE, uh, was a Universal Champion last year, and now he's doing this a follow a year following like what happened within a year like this guy's career is just dipping and yeah that's the business people you mess up enough time that enough times that your bosses see you this way you definitely earned it whatever it was so it was not it wasn't my favorite i mean there was a cool spot where shane's in the outside of the cage and was ready to just climb low down he waves with uh at braun braun grabs his hand through the cage rips the cage open pulls him back in that was pretty cool and he definitely wrecks house on shane and pins him, but it wasn't what I really wanted to see. It definitely didn't belong on Mania. This was definitely a blow-off match. It should have been on some, like, I don't know, Raw, or maybe even, like, a second-tier pay-per-view, like a Money in the Bank or something. I don't know. Just not a fan of it. Uh, Braun Strowman can, can do better than this. Uh, Shane can do definitely do better than this. I mean, this guy is 51 years old, taking bumps like he's still in his 20s. God bless him. This guy is a man. Is is, a, is an animal. This guy's a monster. Like, how do you do this at your age and not have like back pain? I'm 33 and my back is hurting just thinking about the bumps he took in this ring. Okay, so props to Shane for staying in great peak form all these years. But you don't got to do all this. You can have a regular match. You don't got to be thrown 20 feet in the air from the top of a cage into the mat just for our entertainment. Like you're a millionaire for Pete's sake. Just come on, man, chill. <laughs> so the next match on the card. It's one of the most anticipated feuds, matches, whatever you want to call it, which is uh, none other than Puerto Rico's own Bad Bunny with Damian Priest tagging against The Miz and John Morrison. This feud was the most randomest thing I've ever seen in my life. One of the weirdest feuds ever. This celebrity fight would have been simple if they just kept it simple, but the fact that Bad Bunny went and moved from Puerto Rico to Orlando to specifically train at the NXT Performance Center. This, like, months of training. He took a crash course with the likes of Drew Gulak, 
uh, Adam Pierce, uh, a few others I can't remember the top of my head, but they literally taught him everything they can in their tutelage, and he looked phenomenal. Like everyone is stunned. All of Twitter was trending about it. Like the whole night, everyone was just talking about it. It was on even on Spanish news, English news, like everywhere. It was all around all social platforms because it was the topic of the night. This out of nowhere megastar rapper just figures like, hey, you know what? I can't really tour right now because we're in the middle of a pandemic. Everything's on lockdown. But what's the one thing that's going on right now that I tend to be a huge fan of? All right, pro wrestling. So let me just try this pro wrestling thing and see how I do. I was expecting this to be a really bad match, not on the Damien Priest's part or even Mason Morrison. It's a celebrity about people. I was not expecting it to be this good. This man, this guy pulled out a Canadian Destroyer on John Morrison. I've not seen a Canadian Destroyer on WWE television. Now, before you say Adam Cole's uh, Panama Sunrise, that is on NXT. I said WWE television. This company is make, makes it known that NXT and WWE are two different things because takeovers are for NXT, Mania is for, you know, these big pay-per-views are for Raw and SmackDown. And let me tell you something, Bad Bunny did one of the best Canadian stories. I mean, there are even seasoned wrestlers who have not mastered the art of the Canadian story. Petey Williams' finisher, one of the coolest moves ever, has become a transition move on other companies like AEW, Impact, you know, it's just become a move. But to see it done by a celebrity who's barely been trained a year, this guy, this boy was only hitting in the ring maybe three, four months. I don't know, maybe five months as much as we know. Let's just say somewhere around like last November, December, he probably had the notion of starting to train. But in reality, he really started training somewhere around February, January. And maybe it's in April, that's four months. To be able to pull off, like he did a spear, he did a lot of um, uh, arm arm drags. Like he did them great. He sold like he sold every move. Like it really hurt. Like Bunny took this very seriously. This guy Benito like took this and like ran with it. He's like, I'm gonna make sure that I don't offend people that wrestle and show them the respect that they earned. But it was so damn good. You had people on podcasts saying like, listen, it kind of buried Miz and Morrison a little bit, right? Because they let the celebrity get all this offense off of him. But the issue is, is this, right? No matter what Bunny does, he was gonna get criticized. Oh, you know, it's just another celebrity spot. You could have put another match on the card. No, every mania always has a celebrity spot. Like this is something that people need to understand. Celebrity spots exist for a reason. It is to keep the casual viewer entertained in between the quote unquote uh, barn burner matches. And it's something that really trends online. As you can see, it obviously works. So. While we're all here just judging Bad Bunny and like, oh, I don't know who this Bad Bunny guy is. Like, people on the internet are stupid trolls that just want attention. Of course you damn well know who damn Bad Bunny is. He's number one trending on damn Spotify and Apple Music, all right? This guy is featured on almost everyone's tracks, doing all the late night shows and like, just being himself. Like, this guy sells out Crocs, he sells out Adidas sneakers, and, the, and now he's gonna probably sell out tickets for a show because this was all a giant side quest for him to go on a tour and promote his music. Like he got some new fans out of WWE, which is great because a lot of WWE fans have not really listened to new music in a very long time and they kind of want to hear something different. Maybe, obviously a lot of them might not know Spanish, but the lyrics are good for people who do know what he's saying. And the, the records just slap, these are all bangers. Like his whole album is full of bangers. So even if you can't understand what he's saying, can still vibe to the music and that's why i think having guys like him come into the business and not make a fool of it but actually show the respect that there is um he got props from the whole locker room even in locker rooms outside of wwe like he got props from pd williams himself the inventor of the canadian destroyer like hey this move that i invented on impact this this guy pulled it off really well like he impressed the miz the miz didn't see that shit coming he did not see bad bunny pulling a canadian story on morrison like this was obviously morrison had to help because this move involves the uh, opponent, you know, flipping themselves back a little bit, right? So this whole thing, this whole ordeal was just shocking because it almost buried Miz so much because Miz is the kind of wrestler that's not really all that athletic. Like, the man can't even do a kip-up. Like, it just really made him look kind of, like, second-rate. And, I mean, to be honest, he is kind of a goof on WWE anyways, but he's a great talker. I'll give him that much, but he's not the best wrestler. He's no one's favorite wrestler. He's just a good entertainer that happens to learn the, the basics of wrestling and... Morrison, 
who, in my opinion, is made of a caliber talent. The fact that he helped out this match and made made him look made Bad Bunny and Priest Priest poor Priest was injured, so he couldn't wrestle much. But he was waiting for that hot tag, and when he finally got it, they had stereo fucking arrows of him and Bunny. They had a his Topekon hero that he usually does that he's done at NXT before. Bunny did his you know infamous splash out of the ring where he cr- does a crossbody into all these opponents. It was exactly what I thought it was going to be, and, and then some. Like it was, I did not expect this level of like litness. Like this, shit, this shit was lit. Like I don't know how to say it. this thing was like a barn burning ma- match from a celebrity. Definitely with the best celebrity match I've seen thus far. Period. No offense to Pat McAfee, that was a great match against him in the Inspired Era, but this was something a little bit more of the lines of entertainment, and it definitely delivered, and funny selling for Miz was awesome, he made look, Miz look strong, Morrison, everyone did so great, I just, like, this is so, it's overwhelming in a good way, like, alright, they actually did something that was pretty cool, and I'm ecstatic to see that they actually are making an effort, because now you're going to gain some new fans, with Bad Bunny, and they actually want him back, I, I don't blame him, this guy can deliver like this, maybe on his, when his tour's over, he might just pop in, or even between tours, just to like do a spot here and there, and just make an appearance, just because, why not, because he definitely respects the business, a huge fan of it, I mean, this guy's had Ric Flair, Stone Cold in his music videos, he made a song about Booker T, so he had Booker T in his music video, he uses that song as his theme entrance, like this guy loves pro wrestling, all he's missing is a cameo from The Rock, and it's that's it. It's a wrap. <laughs> I mean, his promo for his concert had Triple H on it, where we thought he was giving him the uh, Money in the Bank briefcase or something, but it's actually just a regular briefcase that happens to have a microphone, and Triple H did something along, along the lines of, all right, now you got to go back to what you're really, you know, what you're really amazing at, and that was music. So he went on his 18-wheeler Mack truck and went on his way to his next stop, which is his tour, which is next year. So... This is something, uh, man, I'm just, I'm speechless, man. That's that's all I got to say. Speechless is definitely the word I'm looking for here. So, what's next? None other than the main events of night one. For the first time in history, two black female wrestlers are main eventing WrestleMania. Michael Cole made sure to say that. He said that loudly and proudly. The first time we have two African-American women main eventing WrestleMania. And this is dope. Like, this is exactly what I expected. A Sasha-Bianca Miller match to be. Five stars of awesomeness, no matter what people think. One of the best matches of the whole evening. Bianca Belair showed her power. Sasha Banks was definitely uh, showing some psychology. Because obviously she doesn't have... She, what she lacks in size, she makes up for her in psychology. And she used uh, Bianca's hair against her to, like, get her... Um, to get her tied up and it's just all back and forth thing with with them and I'm just there like man this match is gonna either go one way or another but either way I really want Bianca to win like I, Bianca needs this win Sasha's got enough wins under her belt even though she's actually 0-7 at Wrestlemania we're like okay Bianca's never been champ she definitely earned it this year especially during the uh, beginning portion of the year with the pandemic like her and the Street Profits are carrying the feuds with Selena Vega and her crew with Andrade and Garza and all them and I think she earned it more. So I'm like, this build to it was not great because they had him do this weird can they coexist bullshit with the whole tag teaming with Sasha Banks. Like, obviously neither of them want to be tag champs. They're trying to be opponents. You should have just had them win matches against matches and like one-upping each other every week. That's how you build a match the main event at Mania. You shouldn't have to have them coexist so they can like have dissension and then beef. They already have dissension because they both want to be the champ. And this is what we need. The boss came in, brought her boss bitch attitude. And then you have Bianca who came in with her EST attitude. Like she was like the best of everything. And it was exactly what it was. It was a amazing main event with great moves, great psychology. I mean, in the beginning of the match, you have Bianca damn near in tears because she's like, she already knew. I mean, obviously, we all know that wrestling is predetermined. Gasp, giant gasp, right? But her and Sasha trying to keep themselves together. Like, all right, don't get me started. Let's just focus on the ring because this is the first time they've seen fans live in over a year and the standing ovations of everyone in there like really rooting for them to be the main event. Like, damn right, you're the main event. You deserve this spot. So it was something magical. Uh, let's just start it with the ring gear. Like, Sasha's gear was glowing neon green and black. I thought that was pretty cool. She had a new wig with like blue and green and all that. So she looked like to the nines. And then Bianca, obviously she makes her own gear, which is crazy. Whereas Sasha's husband makes her gear, Bianca is the 
seamstress and her family. And she is definitely making some great gear lately. And this one look made her look like a million bucks. I mean, she went in there looking like a superstar. She left out of there looking like a superstar because she is now the superstar, the new <laughs> SmackDown Women's Champion. And this all happened because uh, Sasha kept messing with her so much about her damn hair that in the end, Bianca gave her exactly what she quote unquote deserved, which was a lashing with her long ass ponytail. And this shit sounded like a shotgun going off. Like it was that loud and distracted Sasha to get the KOD on her one, two, three for the pin and win. But afterwards you can see Sasha laughing, like not laughing, smiling like she's happy that Bianca's getting her time in the sun. But also like she got this giant welt mark from getting whooped. And you're like, damn, that must hurt. Cause last time we saw that it was Shayna that got whooped and she got cut open bleeding. Bianca's hair you don't want to mess with, but the fact that the whiplash is just perfectly like enough to give to just give it that like smack like whoosh, like that smack it was just like whoa in the end you see uh bianca's dad and her whole family just happy that she won her dad actually fell off the barricade <laughs> um his man's always falling off for her daughter like in a couple videos that vignettes they showed his her dad was falling off the couch uh happy and, and proud of her daughter but then you got monsters four coming in and you know carrying her up on her shoulders and she's just there celebrating and it was the one of the highlights of the whole night if anything i think night one was better than night two like if you want to make comparisons of which night delivered more between um bianca belair and sasha banks uh bad bunny priest versus Ms. morrison and uh rollins and sorrow like you can't match it this is one of the better cards for both nights and of course i can't take away from bobby and drew but bobby and drew is like they have this energy this chemistry since the impact days when they're facing against each other on impact for the uh TNA World Championship, so they they have history, uh, but it just came off as like I've seen better matchups with these two, but at the same time I can't take away that it wasn't a bad. It was a great match. Don't get me wrong. I I was enjoyed with this whole story of Bobby Lashley and the dissension, the breakup with the hurt business, and how he is. I don't need him. I can do some own. And he came in looking strong and mighty, and now he's on Ross, just tearing up the spot and like doing exactly what he has to do. And I'm just like, all right, so. Now we got a dominant champion again who actually looks like a dominant champion. And no disrespect to Drew. Drew's just a kind of kind man that he stood to the side. Like, listen, Bobby deserves his time in the sun. I got many more to see later on. Let's just keep moving. But the whole card was just really good for night one. Like, I wish I was there. I, after all the Snapchat and IG videos I saw online trending, I'm like, oh, man, this looked like a really good event. But, of course, uh, you know, you can't always get what you want. Maybe next year when there's no more pandemic, I can actually go to an event uh we'll see uh but yeah that was the end of night one stay tuned we're taking a small commercial break and i will be continuing with night two of wrestlemania 37 What's good, everyone? This is the Puerto Rican Powerhouse, Mike for Hire, the podcast mercenary, the Puerto Rican Kaiju, Christian Jabal Rivals, back at it again with a brand new review. And today we're going to review none other than the most anticipated wrestling show of the year, WrestleMania 37. And right now we're going to review night one. So we start off with a rain delay. Exactly. A full year into the pandemic with all the nonsense, with the empty arena show, with the Thunderdome shows, we finally get live people at a wrestling show and full capacity mind you well full capacity with cardboard cutouts in between people's sections because obviously you gotta have that covid protocol and all that stuff still happening we're not exactly out of the woods just yet so here we got this finally the the, the fans have been asking and clamoring for this the wrestlers have been missing the fan base like it's really an emotional point that everyone's at, like the first match you're going to see no matter how good or bad it's going to be you're going to get the loudest pops from everyone and this is because it's been more than a year that we're able to see live wrestling in public like this and this magnitude especially since it's a huge event like wrestlemania or as michael cole referred to it as wrestlerania but um terrible i know samoa joe's like yeah i'm not gonna co-sign that but okay so <laughs> it starts with a rain delay 20 minutes half an hour of just uh backstage impromptu backstage promos on the fly everyone's just freestyling a promo of their match and some of them are doing amazing like drew mcintyre was there riffing against bobby lashley and facing him you got a good uh kevin owens promo against sammy then you have one with the New Day and against AJ and almost like everyone's just going off the top of the dome, just trying to stall for time until they are allowed to legally uh, start 
letting people back into the uh, Jamin's Rain Stadium because there's a thunderstorm happening. And if you know anything about Tampa Bay, Florida, you have to wait for the thunderstorm to go through because they are the lightning capital of America. And the last thing you want to do is be caught in a lightning storm. So, yes, uh, for everyone's safety precautions, we're going to take it easy. So we, we finally get started. And the first match of the night is none other than the WWE title. So it's the current WWE champion, the almighty Bobby Lashley versus the um, Scottish Psychopath. I don't even know what his nickname is. Drew McIntyre, the former champion. And uh, it is one of the craziest matches because they both went 100 miles an hour and I love every second of it. Let's get started with the fact that uh, Drew and Bobby were just giving you giving their all that's the thing they were not holding back drew bob even brought back one of the uh tope kong hero that he's done uh, many uh, times prior to becoming the WWE champion but somehow the last year or so he calmed down on the athletics and but now it's like whoa he looks even bigger now than he did even a couple a year ago so for this guy to pull this stunt off and make it look easy hey there's a reason this guy was a champ to begin with and of course you can't take the credit off of Bobby Lashley who's 10 years plus into this journey to get his first ever run and I'm like listen I know they want to give Drew the big pop because he didn't get it last year because there was no WrestleMania I mean there was but let's be serious it was at an empty arena at the performance center it was not an actual event with people even if you pretty it up like a Thunderdome which it wasn't it was very basic it was the saddest mania I've ever seen I'm like why did they do this why couldn't they just hold this off an extra month or so until they really figured things out but we were so knee deep in the pandemic they really had to just do it on the fly and continue their schedule because the show must go on just like a Broadway play just must go on so here we are Lashley and Drew going back to back I mean he got three Future Shock DDTs onto Lashley to keep his big lug nut head down, and he still wouldn't stay down. And then Bobby got a couple of moves on him, too. I mean, they even got Kimura locks on each other, kept kept this grounded. Um, it wasn't as much high flying as I thought it was going to be compared to uh, previous matches because not that Bobby's knows a high flyer, but Drew has definitely been a high flyer for many years. He's just recently got that muscle tone to be this big, big dog that he, you know, he finally is. So. I had the momentum going where they were going to be back and forthing it a lot. And it kind of worked, but it wasn't your typical. Uh, it was great. I'm not saying it was a bad match. A lot of technical wrestling, a lot of chain wrestling, a lot of uh, psychological stuff with Paul Heyman. Um, and then Paul Heyman actually distracted Drew as he was counting down for his Claymore kick. Enough time for Lashley to counteract on him and put on the Hurt Lock. And not really tap him out, but have him pass out. Like he went lights out cold. So... He was not, you know, incapacitated, so he couldn't put his hand up to say he was still good. And so Bobby Lashley, the almighty Bobby Lashley, retains the WWE World Heavyweight Championship at WrestleMania. And like, thank God. I mean, I know some people are split on this, but let's be honest. If he just got the championship, I do not want to see the championship, the main championship, being hot potatoed like anybody can have it every other week. This is not how you book right. And... If anything, he should have won it at Mania. Not won it earlier off of Miz, but he should have either beat somebody else for it a while ago. I say they should have given him a three-month-plus reign prior to this to really build it up. But the fact he's only had it for a month, I knew the belt wasn't going to switch that fast. I just knew that you couldn't do it. it, it you, it's too soon. You, it kind of diminishes this whole long journey. Like, he got emotional on TV for he controlled himself and obviously couldn't show all his emotions he's a heel character he's not a face so we're here looking at this heel champion i'm like yep this is the right decision the right call and i'm glad they stuck with their guns and really just let it play out so from here we move on to the next match was the women's tag turmoil with uh it's like a tag gauntlet match first round we have lana and naomi the team of lana and naomi versus the team of billy k and carmella see billy k's whole gimmick was she's been trying to recruit a partner all year long and everyone has turned uh turned her back on her because she's like yeah we're not really like trying to look for you and our team so at the last minute mella accepted her um, offer and took her resume and they became an impromptu tag team but it was a year-long story-building thing, so it didn't seem to out of nowhere. It actually made sense story-wise. So those two teams fight, but at the end, Billy Kay and Carmella win the first round. So they move on and they fight next to the Riot Squad, a team of uh, Ruby Riot and Liv Morgan, who are in matching Joker and Harley gear, or inspired gear. And they go in the ring, and mind you, this whole thing is going on 
post a thunderstorm. The floor is crazy wet. Okay, let me just clarify. They don't have carpets or towels on the on the tarmac or whatever you want to call it, the stage. It is slippery as sin. Like it is like ice cold slippery because they just had a thunderstorm. So I'm already scared for the performers in the ring. Like did they even wipe off the ring ropes fast enough? I hope no one's trying to do any damn crazy stunts right now because this could be an accident waiting to happen. I do not want to see that night one of WrestleMania and end the whole show because it practically got, practically got canceled almost because of the thunderstorm if it persisted and went onward with it. So move on. Ruby Riot and Liv Morgan beat Billy Kay and Carmella, and they faced the team of Tamina and Natalia. And you're like, all right, so Natalia and Tamina, these guys are definitely going to job to the younger talent. No, you thought wrong, because they actually were able to defeat uh, the Riot Squad with Tamina landing a splash on top of the third rope. And Natalia and Tamina are heading off to night two of WrestleMania to fight in, against the current WWE Women's Tag Champs consisting of Nia Jax and Shayna Baszler at night two at Mania. So from here we go on to the next match, which was Seth Rollins, which I don't know what damn nickname he has. Is he the architect? Is He's no longer the Messiah because they changed his theme once again. It's like a mix of the Messiah theme with the Burn It Down theme, but it actually sounds very badass. I actually dig it. It's a good sound for him. And the drip, let's talk about the drip. Rollins obviously can't wear a suit right now because he's gonna go in the ring. So he's wearing his classic uh, Messiah leather jacket that he gets off Amazon, <laughs> the red one. And he's wearing that with some matching, you know, uh, red and black gear, some usual Rollins colors. And he goes in to face none other than Cesaro, the Swiss cyborg, Swiss Superman, the Swiss cyborg. So actually he is a Swiss cyborg and a Swiss Superman. He forget that. So it's a great matchup with Cesaro in Rollins. I knew this was going to be a good match going into it. The build for it though, this was the worst build for any WrestleMania event I've ever seen in my life. Let me talk about how it sounded like two kids arguing. The whole premise of the story was Rollins didn't want to get swung around by the Cesaro swing by Cesaro and that was it. He was annoyed that he was getting constantly manhandled by Cesaro and swung around like it's some sort of rag doll. That's the worst build for a match, but I put that aside because I know these two are going to deliver. They're going to finally give Cesaro that single single uh, wrestler's push that he just rightfully deserves, all right? Claudio Casanoli is the most underrated WWE superstar, hands down. The man can deliver. He can speak fluently in six languages. So you know language isn't a barrier. He might have a slight accent, but the man can speak six languages, all right? You can't take that away from him. And right now he's working on his seventh language, which he hasn't disclosed which language it is. I'm assuming it's Spanish. It's either gonna be Spanish or probably something like Japanese because this guy's definitely trying to hit a different market. I'm assuming Spanish because he lives in the States and that's the one language that I don't think is on his record of languages that he knows that really could help him in here. So, Zahara so is a very, um, he absorbs information. He is a world-class athlete, power lifter, whatever you want to call it. This man can pretty much swing almost anybody. And I mean almost anybody. So him against the chosen one, except Rollins. What did I expect from this? A lot of amazing moves back and forth. Dirt, because these guys are who they are. They are one of the best, um, both one of the top five singles wrestlers in the company of WWE, okay? Not about, not just NXT, not Raw or SmackDown, the whole company as a whole. They are some of the best talent. And whatever I think of Rollins personally, which I have my issues with him because, I don't wanna say beef, because he, he doesn't know me, who the, hell, who the hell am I? My thing with him is his Twitter game kinda threw everyone for a loop because he is not, wasn't playing heel on Twitter, but because he got so much heat for his comments against Osprey and the way he's delivering his lines, he came off so damn pretentious that people are like, oh, this Rollins dude is just a giant prick, but he's not a giant prick. It's just the fact that he was playing heel on Twitter and people took it like he was really being a jerkwad. And this kind of just translated like, hey, you know what? When he's on Twitter, he's working us people. He's not being 100% genuine. He is working even on Twitter. And then now you have it where Twitter has become the place where a lot of wrestlers work their magic. And I have some great things to say about Rollins over the years. He's definitely done some great things for wrestling. He's brought some great talent for wrestling. He has a great eye for it. He has, definitely has a lot of things that can be used to um, show the next generation of superstars what the, the ropes, everything. He has a wrestling school, the Black and Brave, one of the best wrestling schools in the damn country right now because 
people like Ben Carter, who's now in NXT UK, came from that school. And if any of his superstars are as good as that guy, then I know for a fact they're doing the right things there. So I'm not going to take that away from him. What I'm going to take away from him, though, is how sometimes he comes off like a whiny kid. And that's just the thing that some people are just emotional and they take things a little bit to the heart. But listen, this guy, he's a company man, and I can't hold that against him. He loves his company, he loves his job. Let the man be. Because end of the day, if you love your job that much because they pay you well, they treat you well, of course you're going to be a company man. You know, like, how can you, like, disrespect a company that's done a lot for you? Now, as far as other performers out there, that's a whole different story, and I'm not here to gossip nonsense. I'm here to talk reviews. So let's go back to this thing. Move on with the next match where we have, uh, oh, wait, I should have said something amazing about the Cesaro-Rollins match. This was definitely a five-star category. This was definitely a standout match of the whole weekend of WrestleMania, and I think it was so phenomenally well-established that Cesaro, as he was trying to get the swing on Rollins, and he kept holding it against him. I mean, Rollins did a, Rollins did a crazy ass, like, Phoenix Splash 450. Like, he mixed a Phoenix and a 450. I don't even know how he did that midair, and landed it on Cesaro, like, bullseye and like this is the most impressive like technical match i've seen in a long well not even this technical spectacle you know it was definitely a mania level match and when it comes to mania level matches both of these guys never fails to deliver and that's why they deserve all the respect in the world whether you like them or not i know twitter has their own opinions on everyone based on who they think they are instead of actually who they are but based on who you think you are you can't take away the skills these guys have in the ring so Love him or hate him, Rollins definitely made brought Cesaro to the top level and brought the best out of him. So, there's that. I'm going to leave it at that. Next match is the New Day, consisting of Hogan Kingston and Xavier Woods versus the phenomenal one, AJ Styles, and his impromptu tag partner who has been his bodyguard for the last six months. Almost. What a match. Do I have a lot to say about it? Nah. I don't, I don't, I mean, it was alright, in the end, I mean, almost as a tank, he did not sell a damn move, he's 7 feet plus, I believe, this guy is a legit monster, he looks like a monster, he wrestled like a monster, well, he didn't even wrestle, he was just there being a big wall, he is a big ass human wall, who did nothing at all but help AJ land some offense on the New Day. And the New Day was just like chumps in this match. Like they just won the belts off of the Hurt Business. And like not too long ago, and they lost the belts. Again, hot potatoing. But in this case, they were just trying to give AJ his last belt to complete to be Grand Slam champion because he rightfully deserves to be with the company five plus years and doing well. Uh, it's better. You think they would have done this with the, with the damn uh, the club or with anybody, even Balor, someone that made more sense, somebody related in the in the sense that like has history with AJ. This almost dude, you just put him out of pull him out of Raw Underground, who has like minimal to no wrestling experience. Vince just hired him on the fact that he's a former athlete who played in the NBA, I think it was, or college ball, and happens to be tall. That's it. He's a really tall black dude. Like there's nothing to say more about this man yet. We haven't seen him wrestling in the ring. And this is his first match, and he just no-sold moves like a giant, like a titan. That's, he, he was just there to be the foil for the match, and AJ was doing all the work. And I get that. This guy barely has been training that much and had to go into big man training with the likes of Keith Lee and uh, Otis and all the other big men on Raw, and I think Adama Kato as well, and no, a number of other men who are huge that need to learn how to wrestle against smaller opponents. But this match, I mean, almost just looked like an obstacle. Kofi, poor Kofi got wrecked. I mean, him and Xavier Woods both, but Xavier Woods was more comical because whatever he was striking, they just he, they almost didn't feel a damn thing. But I definitely felt bad for Kofi who took the illest slams, like the big old, like, in, 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 not in Siguri, uh the big old, like, choke slam type moves. And, like, his back must be killing him to this day. To this day. But yeah, it was it was alright. It was a coronation for AJ. Like, congratulations, you've done your part for us. Now you're officially the Grand Slam champion. Now you can retire with all the merits and titles under your belt. Here's your here's your Snickers, you know? <laughs> like, also, WrestleMania 37 sponsored Snickers. 
All right, I'm stopping. So the next match of the night, we have the um, Braun Strowman versus Shane McMahon. What a match that was. Uh, it was such a bathroom break. Like, this whole build was terrible. I mean, the, the promos on Raw were very childish. This was definitely one of the worst matches of the night. I mean, there were some cool spots. It was a cage match, right? You have... Braun Strowman, who was being called stupid all year by uh, all year uh, for the past few months by Shane, randomly just be called stupid of uh, the fact that Shane doesn't like him for some reason out of nowhere. This is definitely the punishment match. Like this guy's going through being like punished really much in this company for whatever heat he has backstage. I know he has heat backstage, but I'm not one of these dirty reporters. I'm just guy reviewing things, and I think this is how they took it out on him. Like as punishment for having so much backstage heat, you're gonna go against Shane and look like a dope. Like a complete dweeb the whole time. So him against Shane with the help of Elias and um, Jackson Riker in the outside of the cage as they try to attack uh, Braun Strowman right before he gets in the cage. So he's already in there injured because, of course, Shane was going to play fair. He's going to use his brains because it's brains against Braun. But this match is so bad. I, it was not memorable. It was a bathroom break. It was just something like, all right, that's it. This guy was the WWE uh, was a universal champion last year, and now he's doing this a, follow a year following. Like, what happened within a year? Like, this guy's career is just dipping. And yeah, that's the business, people. You mess up enough time that enough times that your bosses see you this way, you've definitely earned it, whatever it was. So, it was not. It wasn't my favorite. I mean, there was a cool spot where Shane's in the outside of the cage and was ready to just climb it down. He waves with uh, at Braun. Braun grabs his hand through the cage, rips the cage open, pulls him back in. That was pretty cool. And he definitely wrecks house on Shane and pins him. But it wasn't what I really wanted to see. It definitely didn't belong on Mania. This was definitely a blow-off match. It should have been on some, like, I don't know, Raw or maybe even like a second-tier pay-per-view, like a Money in the Bank or something. I don't know. Just not a fan of it. Uh, Braun Strowman can, can do better than this. Uh, Shane can do definitely do better than this. I mean, this guy is 51 years old, taking bumps like he's still in his 20s. God bless him. This guy is a man. Is is, a, is an animal. This guy's a monster. Like, how do you do this at your age and not have like back pain? I'm 33 and my back is hurting just thinking about the bumps he took in this ring. Okay, so props to Shane for staying in great peak form all these years. But you don't got to do all this. You can have a regular match. You don't got to be thrown 20 feet in the air from the top of a cage into the mat just for our entertainment. Like you're a millionaire for Pete's sake. Just come on, man, chill. <laughs> so the next match on the card. Is one of the most anticipated feuds, matches, whatever you want to call it, which is uh, none other than Puerto Rico's own Bad Bunny with Damian Priest tagging against The Miz and John Morrison. This feud was the most randomest thing I've ever seen in my life. One of the weirdest feuds ever. The celebrity fight would have been simple if they just kept it simple, but the fact that Bad Buddy went and moved from Puerto Rico to Orlando to specifically train at the NXT Performance Center, this like months of training, he took a crash course with the likes of Drew Gulak, uh, Adam Pierce, uh, a few others I can't remember the top of my head, but they literally taught him everything they can in their tutelage and he looked phenomenal like everyone is stunned all of twitter was trending about it like the whole night everyone was just talking about it it was on even on spanish news english news like everywhere it was all around all social platforms because it was a topic of the night this out of nowhere megastar rapper just figures like hey you know what i can't really tour right now because we're in the middle of a pandemic everything's a lockdown but what's the one thing that's going on right now that i tend to be a huge fan of all right pro wrestling so let me just try this pro wrestling thing and see how i do i was expecting this to be a really bad match not on the damien priest's part or even mason morrison it's a celebrity about people i was not expecting it to be this good this man this guy pulled out a canadian destroyer on john morrison I've not seen a Canadian Destroyer on WWE television. Now, before you say Adam Cole's uh, Panama Sunrise, that is on NXT. I said WWE television. This company is make, makes it known that NXT and WWE are two different things because takeovers are for NXT. Mania is for, you know, these big pay-per-views are for Raw and SmackDown. And let me tell you something. Bad Bunny did one of the best Canadian Destroyers. I mean, they're even season wrestlers who have not mastered the art of a Canadian destroyer. Petey Williams finisher, one of the coolest moves ever. 
has become a transition move on other companies like AEW, Impact. You know, it's just become a move. But to see it done by a celebrity who's barely been trained a year, this guy, this boy was only hitting in the ring maybe three, four months. I don't know, maybe five months as much as we know. Let's just say somewhere around like last November, December, he probably had the notion of starting to train. But in reality, he really started training somewhere around February, January, and maybe it's in April. That's four months. To be able to pull off, like, he did a spear. He did a lot of um, uh, arm arm drags. Like, he did them great. He sold, like, he sold every move. Like, it really hurt. Like, Bunny took this very seriously. This guy, Benito, like, took this and, like, ran with it. He's like, I'm going to make sure that I don't offend people that wrestle and show them the respect that they earned. But it was so damn good. You had people on podcasts saying, like, listen, it kind of buried Miz and Morrison a little bit, right? Because they let the celebrity get all this offense off of him. But the issue is, is this, right? No matter what Bunny does, he was going to get criticized. Oh, you know, it's just another celebrity spot. You could have put another match on the card. No, every mania always has a celebrity spot. Like, this is something that people don't understand. Celebrity spots exist for a reason. It is to keep the casual viewer entertained in between the quote-unquote... Uh, barn burner matches and it's something that really trends online as you can see it obviously works so while we're all here just judging bad bunny and like oh i don't know who's bad bunny guy is like people on the internet are stupid trolls that just want attention of course you damn well know who damn bad bunny is he's number one trending on damn spotify and apple music all right this guy is featured on almost everyone's tracks doing all the late night shows and like just being himself like this guy sells out crocs he sells out adidas sneakers and the, and now he's gonna probably sell out tickets for a show because this was all a giant side quest for him to go on a tour and promote his music like he got some new fans out of wwe which is great because a lot of wwe fans have not really listened to new music in a very long time and they kind of want to hear something different maybe obviously a lot of them might not know spanish but the lyrics are good for people who do know what he's saying and the, the records just slap. These are all bangers. Like, his whole album is full of bangers. So even if you can't understand what he's saying, you can still vibe to the music. And that's why I think having guys like him come into the business and not make a fool of it, but actually show the respect that there is. Um, he got props from the whole locker room, even in locker rooms outside of WWE. Like, he got props from P.D. Williams himself, the inventor of the Canadian Destroyer. Like, hey, this move that I invented on Impact, this, this guy pulled it off really well. Like... He impressed The Miz. The Miz didn't see that shit coming. He did not see Bad Bunny pulling a Canadian story on Morrison. Like, this was obviously Morrison had to help because this move involves the uh, opponent, you know, flipping themselves back a little bit, right? So this whole thing, this whole ordeal was just shocking because it almost buried Miz so much because Miz is the kind of wrestler that's not really all that athletic. Like, the man can't even do a kip-up. Like, it just really made him look kind of, like, second-rate. And, I mean, to be honest, he is kind of a goof on WWE anyways, but he's a great talker. I'll give him that much, but he's not the best wrestler. He's no one's favorite wrestler. He's just a good entertainer that happens to learn the basics of wrestling. And Morrison, who, in my opinion, is made of a caliber talent, the fact that he helped out this match and made made him look made bad bunny and priest priest poor priest was injured so he couldn't wrestle much but he was waiting for that hot tag and when he finally got it they had stereo falcon arrows of him and bunny they had a his tope on hero that he usually does that he's done at nxc before bunny did his you know infamous splash out of the ring where he cr does a crossbody into all these opponents it was exactly what i thought it was going to be and, and then some like it was I did not expect this level of, like, litness. Like, this shit, this shit was lit. Like, I don't know how else to say it. This thing was, like, a barn-burning ma match from a celebrity. Definitely with the best celebrity match I've seen thus far, period. No offense to Pat McAfee. That was a great match against him in the Inspired Era, but this was something a little bit more of the lines of entertainment, and it definitely delivered. And funny selling for Miz was awesome. He made look, Miz look strong. Morrison, everyone did so great. I just, like, this is so... It's overwhelming in a good way. Like, all right, they actually did something that was pretty cool. And I'm ecstatic to see that they actually are making an effort because now you're going to gain some new fans with Bad Bunny. And they actually want him back. I, I don't blame him. If this guy can deliver like this, maybe on his when his tour's over, he might just pop in or even between tours just to like do a spot here and there and just make an appearance just because why not because he definitely respects the business a huge fan of it i mean this guy's had rick flair stone cold in his music videos he made a song about booker t so he had booker t in his music video he uses that song as his theme entrance like this guy loves pro wrestling 
All he's missing is a cameo from The Rock, and it's that's it. It's a wrap. <laughs> I mean, his promo for his concert had Triple H on it, where we thought he was giving him the uh, Money in the Bank briefcase or something, but it's actually just a regular briefcase that happens to have a microphone and Triple H did something along, along the lines of, all right, now you got to go back to what you're really, you know, what you're really amazing at, and that was music. So he went on his 18-wheeler Mack truck and went on his way to his next stop, which is his tour, which is next year. So this is something, uh, man, I'm just, I'm speechless, man. That's, that's all I got to say. Speechless is definitely the word I'm looking for here. So what's next? None other than the main events of night one. For the first time in history, two black female wrestlers are main eventing WrestleMania. Michael Cole made sure to say that. He said that loudly and proudly. The first time we have two African-American women main eventing WrestleMania. And this is dope. Like, this is exactly what I expected. A Sasha, Bianca Miller match to be. Five stars of awesomeness, no matter what people think. One of the best matches of the whole evening. Bianca Belair showed her power. Sasha Banks was definitely uh, showing some psychology because obviously she doesn't have she, what she lacks in size. She makes up for her in psychology, and she used uh, Bianca's hair against her to like get her um, to get her tied up, and get, it's just all back and forth thing with with them. And I'm just there like, man, this match is gonna either go one way or another. But either way, I really want Bianca to win. Like, I, Bianca needs this win. Sasha's got enough wins under her belt, even though she's actually 0 and 7 at WrestleMania. We're like, okay, Bianca's never been champ. She definitely earned it this year, especially during the uh, beginning portion of the year with the pandemic. Like, her and the Street Profits are carrying the feuds with Selena Vega and her crew with Andrade and Garza and all them. And I think she earned it more. So, like, this build to it was not great because they had him do this weird can they coexist bullshit with the whole tag teaming with Sasha Banks like obviously neither of them want to be tag champs they're trying to be opponents you should have just had them win matches against matches and like one-upping each other every week that's how you build a match the main event at Mania you shouldn't have to have them coexist so they can like have dissension and then beef they already have dissension because they both want to be the champ and this is what we need the boss came in brought her boss bitch attitude and then you have Bianca who came in with her EST attitude like she was like the best of everything and it was exactly what it was it was a amazing main event with great moves great psychology I mean in the beginning of the match you have Bianca damn near tears because she's like sure knew I mean obviously we all know that wrestling is predetermined gasp giant gasp right but <laughs> Her and Sasha are trying to keep themselves together. Like, all right, don't get me started. Let's just focus on the ring. Because this is the first time they've seen fans live in over a year. And the standing ovations of everyone in there, like, really rooting for them to be the main event. Like, damn right, you're the main event. You deserve this spot. So it was something magical. Uh, let's just start it with the ring gear. Like, Sasha's gear was glowing neon green and black. I thought that was pretty cool. She had a new wig with, like, blue and green and all that. So she looked, like, to the nines. And then Bianca, obviously, she makes her own gear, which is crazy. Whereas Sasha's husband makes her gear, Bianca is the seamstress in her family, and she is definitely making some great gear lately, and this one look, made her look like a million bucks. I mean, she went in there looking like a superstar, she left out of there looking like a superstar, because she is now the superstar, the new <laughs> SmackDown Women's Champion. And this all happened because uh, Sasha kept messing with her so much about her damn hair, that in the end, Bianca gave her exactly what she quote-unquote deserved, which was a lashing with her long ass ponytail. And this shit sounded like a shotgun going off. Like it was that loud. And distracted Sasha to get the KOD on her one, two, three for the pin and win. But afterwards you can see Sasha laughing, like not laughing, smiling like she's happy that Bianca's getting her time in the sun. But also like she got this giant welt mark from getting them whooped. And you're like, damn, that must hurt. Cause last time we saw that was Shayna that got whooped and she got cut open bleeding. Bianca's hair you don't want to mess with, but the fact that the whiplash is just perfectly like enough to give to just give it that like smack like whoosh, like that smack it was just like whoa. In the end, you see uh, Bianca's dad and her whole family just happy that she won. Her dad actually fell off the barricade. <laughs> I mean, this man's always falling off for her daughter. Like in a couple videos, the vignettes they showed, his, her dad was falling off the couch, uh, happy and, and proud of her daughter. But then you got Monsters Ford coming in and you know carrying her up on her shoulders, and she's just there celebrating. And it was the, one of the highlights of the whole night. If anything, I think night one was better than night two. Like if you want to make comparisons of which night delivered more, between um, Bianca Belair and Sasha Banks, 
uh, Bad Bunny Priest versus Miz and Morrison, and uh, Rollins and Cesaro. Like, you can't match it. This is one of the better cards for both nights. And, of course, I can't take away from Bobby and Drew, but Bobby and Drew is, like, they have this energy, this chemistry since the Impact days when they're facing against each other on Impact for the uh, TNA World Championship. So they, they have history. Uh, but it just came off as, like, I've seen better matchups with these two, but at the same time, I can't take away that it wasn't a bad. It was a great match. Don't get me wrong. I I was enjoyed with this whole story of Bobby Lashley and the dissension, the breakup with the Hurt Business and how he is. He, I don't need him. I can do some own. And he came in looking strong and mighty. And now he's on Ross, just tearing up the spot and like doing exactly what he has to do. And I'm just like, all right. So now we got a dominant champion again who actually looks like a dominant champion. And no disrespect to Drew. Drew's just a kind of kind man that he stood to the side. Like, listen, Bobby deserves his time in the sun. I got many more to see later on. Let's just keep it moving. But the whole card was just really good for night one. Like, I wish I was there. I, after all the Snapchat and IG videos I saw online trending, I'm like, oh, man, this looked like a really good event. But... Of course, uh, you know, you can't always get what you want. Maybe next year, when there's no more pandemic, I can actually go to an event. Uh, we'll see. Uh, but yeah, that was the end of night one. Stay tuned. We're taking a small commercial break, and I will be continuing with night two of WrestleMania 37.